Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Radiligen Broadcasting premiere podcast. Damn you, Hollywood. And here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! And if you're not down with that, we got... Oh, no, wrong intro. (laughs) Close enough. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Damn You Hollywood. I'm Robert. You heard Mark do my intro, as always. Thank you, Mark. I'm Venom. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Joining us for this particular episode, where we, wherein we will be discussing maybe the worst vampire movie since Twilight, and I'm not sure which of them is worse, uh, Pat Mullen, you who heard briefly jump into the DX thing. Pat, how the heck are you? I, I'm very excited that I get to podcast with my two my two favorite podcast partners from, from years ago again. It's just a fun reunion whenever the three of us get together, except when we have to talk about a movie like this. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a good time. It, it, it does harken back to how this all began. Where it all begins <laughs> again, Pat, the amazing Spider-Man 2. There we were. That's I true. was watching a movie. You were watching a movie. I was like, tastes great. You were like less filling and Robert's like, ouch, my head. And there we were. And damn you, Hollywood was born. I kind of said, let me, okay, look, let me get in between you two and it, <laughs> at least moderate something. And, he, and here you are all these years later, still trapped in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> at least you're not naked morning. in the cellar. Not yet, at least. I'm not worried about that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Morbius. Yeah. Oh, we had to get yeah, there, didn't we? We did. We did. No protracted intro this time around. This movie destroys all the fun we could have, even <laughs> even with the intro. So before we get into this, Pat, I'm curious. You said you saw Morbius on the schedule, and then it moved, and it moved, and it moved, and it moved, and it moved. And at every juncture, you said... And yet, I didn't take the hint from God's plan to just... <laughs> you were given every possible out. And at every possible turn, you told Mark, yeah, no, still here. Give me give me this one. Give me Morbius. Dare I ask why? Oh, man. Um, so, while I eat my hat... Um... <laughs> no, um... Listen, I was—I've always been a fan of the Morbius character. Um, I loved the Morbius comic series, *The Living Vampire*, that was running in the early '90s. I went back and I read up—you know—a lot of his early appearances from *The Amazing Spider-Man*. And then he had a—he didn't have his own book, but he was the, the particular like title feature, of, or not title feature, but he was the main feature of a series called *Adventure into Fear* that had run in the '70s. And I read a lot of those books. And in the '90s, Marvel horror kind of had a secondary rebirth where he was part of, a, of the Midnight Sun series. So Morbius was involved in a lot of stuff. He's involved in the Maximum Carnage crossover. He was an omnipresent character. I've always been a fan of vampire lore, and this was a pretty unique kind of cool take on it that originated when they couldn't put vampires into comic books because of the Comics Code of Authority. Um, well, uh, we hate you, CCA. <laughs> yeah. We really hate you. And, uh, you know, I, I look back and learn this. Is, and I looked at, you know, this is a Sony production, much the way Venom was. And while Venom is certainly not a perfect film, I found Venom a lot more enjoyable than I have a lot of the recent Marvel cinematic offerings. 
And I had hope that maybe they would get a, a better pulse on Morbius the way it kind of seemed like they had a better pulse on the Eddie Brock Venom character in that movie than they would have in the milieu of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I, I was hopeful. I had my fingers crossed. There was, you know, not a lot of Kevin Feige and this guy and that guy. There was no Takiyo Watiti to be found. Um, so I, I had my hopes up. And boy, oh boy, should I have just taken the hint along the way somewhere, somehow, someone. Yeah, yeah. We just we always look back at those decisions like, huh, I made a left there when I really should have made a right. All right, so the plot synopsis for Morbius, such as it exists, goes as follows. We are introduced to Jared Leto in his uh oh, I could I'm not gonna make that joke. Uh no, you stop doing that. You're like, I don't you're, you don't want that you don't want what I was about to say. No, I'm pretty sure I do. You're such a coy girl about it. You're like, no, I can't. I'm okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Jared Leto attempting to uh upstage Matthew McConaughey when he was riddled with AIDS in Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Hang on. Like I don't even get the joke. I haven't seen the movie, so because of how okay. thin and pale and unhealthy he looks. Oh, okay, got it. Hair, fine. Moving on. I'm going I mean, back I to could, saying coy girl. I could have. <laughs> I mean, I could have said auditioning to play a Holocaust survivor. Would that make you feel better? I certainly would. <laughs> Please move on. <laughs> One of these yeah. days you're going to take the hint that when I say you don't want to go down this hole with me. No, I, I always <laughs> want to go down your hole. You just stop putting those thoughts in the world, okay? And then I won't try to go right. down your hole. That's and now there are strange holes. There are. So he is in, he's in an, on an island off the coast of Costa Rica where he is capturing vampire bats for medical purposes because we get a flashback. Never a good sign. <laughs> To him as a child, he has some unspecified medical condition. <laughs> it's very, very unspecified. Uh, he gets to meet the young... Uh, he gets another companion at this medical facility in Greece where he is being treated and raised by Jared Harris. He completely ignores his companion, his new friend's name and just dubs him Milo because, well, you'll be dead in a few weeks, so why bother learning your name? They have a couple of very small misadventures, one of which includes young Michael Morbius fixing a very expensive piece of machinery with a spring out of a ballpoint pen. Because why not? You I once saw Richard Dean Anderson make a rocket launcher out of a muffler, a taillight, some seat cushioning, and kerosene. Don't tell me. Listen, I think if the 80s taught us anything, uh, you, can, you can fix or make anything with just about any object if you're the A-team or MacGyver. I'm just saying you can't replace a fuse <laughs> with a conductor and expect that to do the same thing. I'm going to tell you that science doesn't exist in this universe and ask you to continue with your plot synopsis. You know, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared Harris sends him off to a new facility where he can begin learning and spread his gifts and his wings and go fly. And I will watch your new best friend that you met yesterday. Um, flash forward, slightly backwards. Uh, Michael Morbius declines to accept a Nobel Prize, like you do. <laughs> he is using 
in his desperation to fix whatever his medical condition is, the unknown virus of unspecified origin, we'll just call it that, mm. uh, he is now trying to splice together various bits of other mammalian DNA into human DNA and create some kind of a treatment based on this. He's arrived at bats because apparently some kind of anticoagulant feature is necessary to try and fix whatever's wrong with him. Uh, it takes them a few iterations, but they eventually do succeed. So in order to get around all kinds of pesky legal hurdles, he gets his friend Milo, played by Matt Smith and his Neanderthal forehead, <laughs> to set them up, who is rich, by the way. Don't know if you noticed that or not, but uh, loaded. How and why? We don't oh, drink know. I assume. Uh, he Pat, is... do me a favor. Tell everyone in the chat to shut the fuck up. It's, it's Teasley. <laughs> just tell Teasley to stop. Because okay. I got stuff going on. And all I hear is him sending pictures or talking about Steel Panther for God knows what reason. It's always a good time for Steel Panther. I mean, that's not that's true. But I also have that chat muted. Meanwhile, I can hear Pat's phone going off. Uh, and every time I look at it, I'm like, damn it, it's the damn chat. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> So he gets set up in a cruise ship, in a, in a container ship, off the coast in international waters, right around the same place they had the rematch between Mike Tyson and that horse. <laughs> Which is uh, Dredrick Tatum in the horse, not Tyson. Mm -hmm. Guy, screwed up my own reference. Hey, Mark, did you know Roberto Duran once knocked out a horse? He, he, he did once knock out a horse, Roberto Duran did. Everybody take a drink. <laughs> Uh, while there, he finalizes his procedure. He injects, he gets injected in the spine, which would actually make sense considering what he's trying to do. But lo and behold, there's complications with what he's doing. He turns into a monster, murders a bunch of people on the boat, except the, you know, quasi-romantic interest who is conveniently unconscious. <laughs> he then... Like you are when you're a woman in these films. Sure. <laughs> He then you know, makes a mayday call, jumps overboard. He is concerned because I killed a bunch of people and this disturbs me. He starts experimenting on himself, trying to figure out what's going on. Turns out he's a vampire. He needs blood. Fortunately, he created fake blood a few years ago. Yay. And it's blue. <laughs> it's blue. Yeah, blue raspberry hemoglobin, everybody. Come to a store near you. Listen, so that's how you, it, that's how you it, show periods in commercials. You have to just make the water blue. I couldn't help but laugh, like, because we'd had that discussion not that long ago. Like, oh, hey, the blood is blue. <laughs> right. Uh, so every it's couple of hours. guys. Science. So every couple of hours, he has to suck down a blue Slurpee <laughs> uh, to avoid his condition completely reverting to a cripple. Uh, a couple of cops show up. One of whom has a personality. The other is Tyrese, who is playing our resident owl. <laughs> For the record, he's the owl because he's here to growl and scowl and, and occasionally ask, prowl. And ask who? On occasion. Okay. One of, one of the only characters in this movie based on a comic book counterpart. I believe it because that's the only reason they would have possibly cared enough to dump on him this much. Yeah. So Matt Smith all uh, shows up. Yeah, Matt Smith sm shows up. He's like, hey, you found a cure. And Morbius is like, yes, but it's a curse and a gift. But really, it's a curse. <laughs> so, I, so I can't help you. And he goes, 
but I paid for all of this. <laughs> and you're just going to consign me to death. He's like, no, you, death is better. You can retain your humanity. And he steals the serum and goes off and injects himself anyway, because of course he does. Uh, Matt Smith then kills a nurse. Morbius thinks he did it. Oh, no. The <laughs> five minutes of quasi tension that this created. There's a chase scene. There's another chase scene. Morbius gets arrested. Uh, Matt Smith comes to see him. Reveals that, no, I did, in fact, you know, I injected myself. I'm the one who killed the nurse. You're still a pure, good, and innocent boy, except for the eight people you murdered on the ship. But no one cares. They were hired guns. They probably did bad things. That's an actual line of dialogue in the movie. He all but said, you killed a bunch of white guys. No one cares. I killed the Latin nurse, so you can be absolved. Thinking more about Al Madridog's line about, we don't really care about the mercenaries that you killed. They probably all had it coming. But that poor nurse. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, Morbius sucks down some red blood that was left there by Matt Smith because this is the world's worst prison. <laughs> he escapes. He fights Matt Smith. He escapes from Matt Smith because he doesn't want to kill his best friend. He comes up with a medical solution to this. Matt Smith, does, we get pointless Matt Smith dancing. We get pointless Matt Smith in a bar. Uh, we get Matt Smith killing Jared Harris to lure Michael away from his girlfriend, who Matt Smith then nearly kills. Morbius tearfully finds her mostly dead body. They kiss. She bites his lip because this is enough. A single drop of this stuff is enough to turn her into a vampire. He then bites the crap out of her. Drains her of blood, somewhat obfuscating the entire methodology by which one would turn into a vampire in this particular case. He goes off to fight Matt Smith. They have a terrible CGI smoke-filled battle. Matt Smith mostly wins. Morbius then summons the power of bats. I'm not, jo <laughs> I'm not joking. I I'm not joking, people. If you haven't seen the movie, he summons every bat under New York City. Apparently there's a lot of them. He sicks them on Matt Smith in a horrible Kamehameha iteration. <laughs> Seriously, he's got the hand out, and he brings both hands down to his hip, and yeah. <laughs> and then he uses the distraction of the bats to go stab his friend with this chemical that he's devised that the, will kill the him. The anticoagulant, as it were. Indeed. Actually, it's a super coagulant. It kind of... Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No one cares. <laughs> Certainly not the writers or the actors or the director. Or the audience. Or the audience. Uh, he then flies off because he can fly. As his girlfriend wakes up as a vampire, he flies off into the night. We then get the world's worst mid credit sequence. The absolute worst. And I've seen a lot of these stupid things. Waiting until the actual end of one of the MCU movies so Captain America can kind of troll us was a better use of time than this was. But Michael Keaton shows up because the sky split apart because, hey, we're so desperate to try and piggyback off this financial success of the MCU that we'll do just about anything. He shows up. He gets news coverage for no good reason. Is <laughs> And immediately decides, you know what? I need to reassemble my old armor and I will reach out to another potential supervillain. And I know this has something to do with Spider-Man because I desperately want to play J. Jonah Jameson, but I am not J.K. Simmons, so I'm stuck doing this. And we should team up and try to do some good in the world because Sony is still, years later, 
after this whole endeavor failed spectacularly at the at, at the end of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, desperate to try and get a Sinister Six movie off the ground that no one wants. I mean, and that's you where know, we end. You know what's funny about that? And I'm going to throw it to Pat for his thoughts on the movie. It's not like either one of the just the uh, either one of the Suicide Squad movies that they're so obsessed with did well. Like the first Suicide Squad movie, I mean, may have made money, but it's it was gonna, like it's going to make more money than the, for the record. It's probably going to make more money than the Batman when it's all said and done. Um, but certainly the one that was on HBO Max last year hasn't made any money at all. We talked about that at length. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that when we reviewed it. So you know, so the fact that Sony executives are just like. Okay, there's the Avengers, there's Suicide Squad, there's Justice League. What do we got? The Sinister Six. Fine, make that. That doesn't make any sense, though. And oh, by the way, most of the people, most of the movies on that list that I just rattled through didn't do well. That's fine. Do it anyway. It seems to be Sony's philosophy with all of this. Nah, it'll be fine. Nah, it'll be fine. All right, go ahead. Sucks isn't strong or clever enough. True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a terrible movie. Good Lord. Um. <laughs> You know, I'll never complain about a movie generally missing action beats as long as there's advancement to the story. Mm -hmm. But the story here is about as hollow as the bones of a bat, to be sure, because they don't try with any effort to really make any of these characters more than two-dimensional. They're all one-note characters, including Morbius. You know, so there's no advancement development that makes you real interested in any of them at any point. Not the least of which is Milo, um, you know, real name Lucian, whatever you want to call him. We'll call him we'll call him Milo for the purposes of this. But it's a recycled story that we've seen done to death through these movies, whether you've seen Thor, Black Panther, Aquaman, etc. It's the same plot in that regard in which you have this surrogate, you know, brother, cousin, whatever, trying to turn on our titular hero out of jealousy or means or what have you. And it commits some type of patricide in the process. And that's what we get here. Lather, rinse, repeat. It sucks more each time you see it. On top of that, this science, and I use that word loosely, that we see in this film has very little actual uh, application. Knowledge. There's nothing to what they're doing here with the exception of injecting someone in the spine based on what they needed to do, like Robert pointed yeah. out. Furthermore, the plot itself, it's never really clear what the end game is. Right. It, it's not. Is it that he wants to cure himself? Is it that he wants to cure Milo? Forget about anybody who might potentially also have this disease worldwide. It's not like he's trying to cure this when he's getting his Nobel Peace Prize, which was a stupid throwaway scene. Um there's an entire – I imagine there was a whole sequence filmed because there's more of that. In, you guys want to get drunk to anyone out there that drinks. Watch the first trailer for Morbius and take a drink every time a, a scene in the trailer is not in the not movie. Not in the movie. <laughs> What's up, Doc? It's, it, it's, it's not uncommon for some stuff to get cut, but boy. It's almost like they shot the trailer and then shot the movie. I get the feeling this was not only edited heavily, like I wouldn't be shocked if there was a bunch of this stuff that was shot, like they wrapped and then went, oh, Spider-Man ended this way. Let's reshoot. 
Yeah. I'm thinking the same way you are, Robert, and that they had plans for this and then saw the ending and then decide, well, we don't have to release this then and constant pushback due to post-edit, post pushback due to post-edit, pushback but due to post-edit. Most of the pushback, though, was because of where we were in the pandemic. It wasn't that. Yeah. I I'm... Hang on. The, the, most of the pushback was because of the pandemic. Like, like that got pushed back a couple of times. Then um, it got pushed out of October because of No Time to Die. And it got pushed out of January because of Batman. Okay, I'm I'm going to say all of those are scapegoats. They I mean, just wanted an excuse. I'm in, I mean, I, and I'm honestly inclined to agree with that. Here's what I'll tell you though: it's that wasn't the only movie to move during those times. No, um, but I imagine it was the only one that was as revised during its downtime. That's, as but this that's one the thing: was. you guys are misunderstanding. Me. I'm not arguing that this probably suffered from. Um, notes apocalypse you know i'm not arguing that it didn't suffer from a lot of studio interference and that there was probably a lot of cooks in the kitchen they were rearranging things based on different feedback they were getting i think i want to say that one of the pushbacks and then um edits on this thing was due to they did a screening for it and it tested poorly and so they had to change some stuff but you but almost in addition to, but in addition to which they also kept pushing back the film because of the pandemic then because of No Time to Die, then because of the Batman. Like, I'm, I was okay, like, Spider-Man, and then it was like, <clears throat> like I don't think Spider Batman had anything to do with it. Um, it was Spider-Man. When they saw the success of that, they were like, there's no point in having another competitive film, competitive, when Spider-Man, when Spider-Man's still making money in the month of January, which is when it was I'll disagree. Now. I'll disagree with that solely because I feel like you could have doubled up because of the known tie-in between the characters, and you could have mm -hmm. had people go, oh, we'll do Spider-Man this weekend, we'll do Morbius next weekend. And maybe you wouldn't have had such an even split in the box office in terms of that, but you'd have had people constantly rotating into the box office to see your two films, one in the hope that maybe they find a way to tie them together the way they tease mm -hmm. the, the symbiote being left over in the MCU after the multiversal crap, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, in, in that sense. And right. then sure enough, we get the tease with, Michael Keaton is the vulture. But I will I will tell you, like if you look at just just going back to March, you had you I mean you had um Scream in January, and then it was about a four-week block until the next big thing in February, and then you had Batman in March, Morbius in April, Doctor Strange in May, all within a month of all like month to month to month. So there is something to be said for releasing tent poles with enough weeks in between, because the opposite of that is what happened in November where October, November, where it was literally for an eight-week stretch, every single movie that had been pushed back and nothing had room to breathe. Like, I'm not saying Eternals would have made a billion dollars or anything, but part of the reason... It Eternals, didn't, if you, don't, if you recall. I, I, I do recall. Uh, didn't even come close. But part of the reason that Ghostbusters immediately ate into it, then, then in Kanto, I think, was the next one, and then we were into December. So... I think we're me. overestimating just how different those audiences are or underestimating just how different the audiences for those films are mm -hmm. though. So what else didn't you like about the movie, Pat? Uh, the acting terrible mm -hmm. as a whole, let's call it out for what it is. I get that they're playing one note characters, mm -hmm. but if you, if you're good enough, you can make that performance worthwhile. Sure. Jared Leto's Joker was completely underdeveloped in the suicide squad movies for having the presence that was there. But at least, but at least he made the, at least he made the most of that character while yes. he was in it. Right. Total opposite here. Yeah. He was flat, uninspired, 
I almost want to say like it was like he was doing uh, or attempting to do a Brandon Lee type crow. Mm -hmm. But aside from mixing in the depressing scenes, like where he's playing his guitar or just perched on the rooftop, he didn't do any of the fun stuff. He didn't do any of the manic stuff. He didn't do any of that. Even when he gets into his bloodthirsty rage, it's not scary. It's not terrifying. It's it's you're like, really? Like this is going to come attack me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was no sense of fear, imperilment, or anything. You have uh, what's her face that played Martine? Um, oh, good lord, uh, Adria Aronia, right? Is that her name? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Adria might be. Where's she from, Mark? She is uh, Puerto Rican. Yeah, so they right. would be an age. Right, Aronia. Um, she was awful. She she brought nothing to the table here. Uh, to, to make you interested, her time as a love interest, if you want to call her that, was so short and and uh, and there was no real connection to be made between them. And then, you know, for all as little as that relationship is built, the, the big climax where he feels that she's dead and you're supposed to feel something, you don't because it's silly because it doesn't matter. The Milo character is, is an also-ran, we've seen this done a million times before, significantly better each time we've seen it before. Just an awful, you know, wannabe addition to the Morbius. You know, I don't know if they're trying to make the Morbius character more relatable because now you have a brother and a familial situation. But it was stupid. It didn't, it didn't work. It's territory that's been covered ad nauseum. And when you do it in such a way that you don't add anything to it, where there's no depth, where maybe there is a tragic component to this, or maybe you make Morbius more villainous than what he initially is, where he's a tortured anti-hero here, make him the bad guy. That's how we started off. Make him the bad guy and make Milo the sympathetic one if you want to really do something different by adding this character in. Instead, you've tried to do the same formula that you've done repeatedly, and it falls flat. Uh, Matt Smith, by the way, just terrible, terrible. <laughs> Your 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 uh, Cro-Magnon features and your one-note acting skills. Go back to Doctor Who or whatever it is you did before this that I don't care about because you sucked. Um, the the dad figure of the two of them when he died, I was cheering. <laughs> yeah, this movie's like one of its biggest crimes is doing that to poor Jared Harris, who's a very good actor. Yeah, you completely underwrote him for what he's capable of doing. Tyrese is probably the the most interesting guy in the movie, to be fair. And that's not saying a lot. And his partner's the only one with a personality. Yeah. Uh, What was his name? Uh, Rodriguez. Uh, Yeah. And then you have Tyrese was playing playing Stroud, who, again, is the only other character from the comic books besides Morbius and Martine. And... uh, Yeah. They get the cybernetic arm right. This is just a bad movie. It's slow. It meanders. It's 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 very flat. It misses action beats where you really need some kind of pickup in the development of the story. It doesn't understand its own source material. It doesn't understand what type of film it's trying to be, whether it's trying to be a scientific exploratory movie, a horror movie, or a superhero movie. It fails at all three of those spectacularly. It's a movie without clear direction, without clear purpose, which doesn't deliver any strong performances of any kind, it's terrible on every front it could possibly be terrible on. So I, uh, so New Mutants comes out, what was that? 2020, wow. right? 
Oh, that's, a that's a segue. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was it was 2020. Okay, so I'm on my second treatment of chemo during my, my second uh, my second my my reoccurrence of cancer. Um, the reoccurrence actually happens in 2019. I do CAR T. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I almost die, and then I go through I go through chemo again. Um, so what was it? September, August, September is when New Mutants Something came like out. That. Okay, so I've already had now two or three treatments. I'm going somewhere with this. I've already had two or three treatments of chemo. Good, because Morbius this, didn't. Uh, this is the second time around. And I have no immune system by this point. I'm pretty shot out from all the chemo, and I'm about to make a decision to not continue with chemo anymore because I feel worse than I did with the actual cancer when I couldn't walk. So watching New Mutants, and I'm riddled with chemo, and all I want is for this fucking movie to end. Okay, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I don't even want to podcast anymore. This is the worst thing ever. Oh, my God. I'm glad. And then there's Maud. (laughs) I don't care anymore. I don't care if they're gay. And I'm just like, I'm like, here's the demon bear. I'm squirming in my seat. I'm like, I just want it to end. I think the movie might have been 90 minutes flat. It felt like an eternity. This was worse. And 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 I don't even have any chemo in my system this time. You know, I I sat there with my kids and I asked them what they thought of it. And they were like, they, they were like, oh, we loved it. It was great. We were like, it, it, it there was a couple of times where they were like, Whew, you know, but even they were like, oh, we thought it'd be scarier. The 11 and the eight year old thought it would be scarier. Then there's me who's like, this is interminable. So let me talk about that first. This thing is so poorly paced and it's not even like oh, there's not enough action beats to keep it going. It's every single scene. I mean, it's not... It's it's not quite Refn, you know, but it it does feel like... It evokes Refn. It it feels like they shot it at normal speed and decided to slow it down somehow. Like, I don't... Zack Snyder. They... At least every, that has style to it. I mean. n- nothing feels like there's a sense of urgency in this movie. It just seems like everything is meandering from from set piece to set piece. And even the action sequences are so poorly shot and hard to follow that I'm not interested in seeing what's happening. The The central conflict, essentially, is that is that Matt Smith's little boy character was bullied. And because he was bullied, presumably not just the one time, but throughout his life, when he has an opportunity to enact revenge for a for uh, God's cruel joke against him, you know, he, he uses the the vampire powers to now bring about a terrible uh, bring about a, a terrible uh, vengeance upon people. Except that he's not attacking anybody that had anything to do with his bullying or anyone that's doing anything to him. He's like a hermit living with this terrible medical condition. All right. Do me a favor, guys. Robert, jump in. I got to walk away for a second. All right. You handle the dog. So let's do a couple of things here. Because uh, this movie needs to be put out of its misery. God does it. Let's start with whoever in the CGI department decided that smoke effects are the best thing ever. The, uh, Just the, don't. This... This made Venom, the initial Venom movie's effects look fantastic. And those looked like crap. <laughs> you couldn't tell anything was going on during the symbiote fight. Oh, like that entire... It, it, it definitely drew like visual inspiration from some of that because, hey, frantic action, and then slow down as the camera keeps panning. No. You don't have, you don't have either the time 
the money or the talent to create the kind of deep, uh, you know, like Rococo-esque screenshots that you need to make that work. It, and so it just, it feels bad. It feels stupid. It doesn't, it's painful. You interrupt whatever flow your action scene might have for... And with the color tone and palette of the whole movie, it's not necessarily sepia tones, the way Snyder's done things, but it was painted, you know, in a certain way Yeah. With that those smoke sequences and the slurring beat up did not help in any way. There's a... I know the real reason for this, but I need to ask this of the audience, including you. Why does Morbius's cloak glow purple at the end? Now, again, I know the real answer. The real answer is, without a color distinguisher, no one could follow who was who when he and Matt Smith are rolling around. But you don't actually have a real reason. No. And that's the thing behind it, is that there was no discernible reason for that, other than to dis differentiate him from Matt Smith. Because the forehead wasn't enough of a giveaway at this point in the CGI with the way things were mixed up. And I guess it's a little bit of a wink nod to the comics in the 90s where Morbius did have a purple colored cloak. But it was still just silly. And this, uh, this stands out for every wrong reason possible. And I, I, I like Jared Leto. You he's know. a good actor. He's just a bad lead. I, I don't even necessarily think it's just that he's a bad lead. It's just he had nothing here. There was nothing to, to work with here. That's Yeah, like, you needed someone... The only person who could have injected personality into this written version of Morbius is someone like Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Like, that That's the kind of performance you would need to elevate this bland writing. You need an absolute weirdo who's out there and can yeah. just do something off the beaten path. Or, like, where he could have done it. And that's that's not a knock on Jared Leto. It's more a case of how bad this was written. And, again, I, I use this term a lot, but I'm still using it, how one-dimensional and one-note this character is in this movie. There's another technical thing that just I found hilarious as soon as I noticed it. You know how little blood there is in this movie for a vampire flick? Now, I here's what... I call it a vampire flick, to be fair. Yeah, fair, fair enough, but... Here's what kills me about it. If you happen to rewatch the scene on the boat, I don't recommend this, but if you happen to do so, or you find it online to look it up. Where, where you have a body count of eight from eight. a vampire. Not only is there no blood, but there are sequences where you can tell there was supposed to be. And I can tell you how you can tell this thing. This is, they clearly shot scenes and went, okay, and then in post, here will be the big CGI gout of blood coming out of the neck as Mor Morbius' claws slashes across here. The actor goes, ooh! And, again, the thought is, we're not going to rig something up to spout fake blood. We can do this fairly easily with CGI in post-production. No big deal. And to be fair to them, that's certainly a very easy thing to do. And then somewhere along the line, the edict came down, PG-13, and all the things we can't show. And so now you have these sequences where you have the big vampire with the big claws gouging someone's throat out, the actor reacting like his throat's been cut, and even the sound effect of gouting blood still in there on the sound side, and zero visual. And it's hilarious. Like, if you're going to do that much CGI editing... There's an old horror trick, and you and I have talked about this on previous shows, 
where you can get it to be the thing you don't see scaring you. All the reshoots you've done, and we're, again, we're speculating, but let's be pretty honest. If you had that much trailer footage that wasn't used, pretty clear you shot additional stuff to be put in after the fact and redo this movie in some type of way. You couldn't think about that. Maybe he pulls somebody into the dark and you don't see what actually goes on. You just see a body drop with a head maybe still hidden in the shadows. If you and I can think of this in five minutes, yeah. they can't think of this in post in some type of way. This was worse than seeing Henry Cavill's mustache in Justice League. So much worse. It, it, it really, it, and it, it's the worst part about it is that it's so painfully obvious. Like, hey, we expected blood to be here, and we expected like there's a there's a real identity crisis, and I don't know if this came about in the writing or the editing. And I'm, I'm willing to give that a little bit of a question mark here because for only the following reason. There's a way to tell the story that they're trying to tell and make it, again, you lean into the horror side of things. And I feel like that's kind of what the thought process was for a lot of this movie. Because, again, you get this, it's a low body count sequence, but elements of the stock through the ship are not the worst thing in the world. Again, it's all cliched, but... That's not the, again, that's not always the end of the world. If you're establishing that this guy's scary, okay, he kills some guys with guns, we get some blood, we establish that he's, you know, dangerous. And yeah, it's all well-worn territory, but you can do it well enough. And I think there was supposed to be a bit of contrast between what Morbius both did there and then him, you know, desperately trying to keep a hold of himself, and the... For want of a better expression, let's call it the Anne Rice levels of excess that Matt Smith's character was supposed to go to. And, and, I, and I can see the logic here if we're just kind of brainstorming this. And you can make this work. But there's so much other stuff you have to be able and willing to do. And for whatever reason, they couldn't or they didn't or they were vetoed. And... It, it not only robs the movie of any tension it might have in the general sense that you want to get from a vampire flick, more importantly, it utterly destroys uh, the signposting for this movie. If you're not familiar with the term, a, when a story uh, is, when you, whenever you're reading a story, watching it, whatever, the author will put signposts along the way. We need, you know, I know, the author knows we need characters to go here. Characters are here and they think we need to go here. So how do we get them from here to here? Because this is where we need to go. Well, you need to do something to let the audience know, well, we need the characters here. Because if the characters, if the audience thinks the characters are right, then when they wind up here instead of here, you go, what? And in this instance, that's what we get a lot of. The entire first third of this movie is based around, can Morbius develop a cure? That's yeah. your central tension. Like, th this is the end-all, be-all of the first third of this movie is bad medical drama. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, I was going to say, it, it's essentially any any medical drama you've seen, uh, Lorenzo's Oil, anything like that, that's, yeah. that's act one. Act two is, oh, like bad law and order. Like, th that's kind of what we get here, and it's not told from that perspective, but it's about the pseudo investigation. It's about Morbius trying to keep his head down a little bit of conflict between him and Matt Smith. And then our finale is any act three of an MCU movie. 
Yeah, and even especially the bad ones. And as an end result, these all feel horribly disjointed. There's no narrative through line. There's no emotional through line. There's nothing connecting the audience along the way. There's nothing telling the audience, hey, by the way, we might be starting at a medical drama, but you know, we establish Matt Smith as maybe a bit more unstable than he is presented as. Maybe he's a bit more violent. Maybe he's keeping Jared Harris under, you know, threat. Lock and key for whatever reason. Yeah, like I've, I'm threatening him. I've, you know, blackmailed him. I've, whatever. I've something, you know, so, something, something of substance that we can use in the story to guide us to this point. Because instead, Matt Smith turns evil because we need something for the third act, and it's not. It's not good. It's badly to the extent that it's it's not set up beyond the guy. The kid defends it's, himself once. It's sudden and unsubstantiated, and it's not it's not a, a very deep dive either. He just immediately turns a switch on and is completely the root of all evil, yeah. versus somebody who's dealing with harboring psychological issues from bullying, etc., over a period of time. And again, with the act out process, does he act out against those who bullied him? No. He's going to take out random people as a whole when he does become a pseudo vampire and including, you know, the one person who probably showed him more kindness than anybody in Morbius's father. You know, it, it the, the sense behind it is extremely lacking. And we've always said uh, the bad guy doesn't necessarily have to be right in what they're doing or make sense in what they're doing. As long as you believe they believe in what they're yeah. doing, there's none of that here. There's, he is, and the problem, the real problem with that, he, Matt Smith's character cycles through about three different iterations of why he's doing this. He starts with, he, I mean, look, the first time, okay, you can't control yourself, you know that, Michael, you ran through a boat full of people, I killed a nurse, okay? Sorry, call it even. Then he goes to, well, we're the evolved form of humanity. These people are now sheep, okay? Well, you can kind of make that work, I suppose, if you want to. But then it goes to, no, I have been put upon by God, the universe, and everyone. So now I will wreak vengeance. Well, okay, but this is slightly in conflict with your people don't matter anymore. Do you care this much about what, you, about what they did to you in your past life? Then it turns into, but Michael, I really just want you to realize that I'm right so we can still be friends because you're the only person... Make up your mind. You have just, you have utterly ruined any chance this character had at being anything approximating memorable to say nothing. And I don't know if this was Matt Smith's choice or the director's or whoever. I'm blaming both of you at this point. The method, I think that's fair. The, the physical acting that Matt Smith does is just not good. At a bare minimum, when Jared Leto is walking around on the sticks... He sells it. Matt Smith does not. Once Matt Smith gains his body back and he's dancing around and he's... I don't know why he's dancing like that. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why we have an entire scene where he decides was, to put on a suit and go to a crappy bar. And then we have it was a nod time to Spider-Man 3. I also I'll just think like, there's the, I, I honestly think that there's just something in Hollywood where like like you know men dancing weird is funny. And and it's it's at this point it's just the same group of like incestuous writers that all think the same shit's funny, and that's why half of these movies turn out the way that they do, and so damn similar. You're probably not wrong there. Yeah. Uh, okay. You talked a little bit about the love interest and the utter lack of chemistry. I don't mean this as an insult to any party member, 
I'm going to say this though. Jared Leto had better chemistry with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Again, not an insult to any of them or that movie. It's a great movie. Both of them did a great job acting. Those two had more chemistry, and especially when you know that both of those gentlemen, their orientation in real life, they did a better job selling that than selling Morbius and Martine being attracted to each other. Last thing, and this relates to blood. I've talked about this. I laughed at the blue blood before because, of course, I did. It's stupid. I don't know why they decided to do that. I really don't. I mean, I could make a couple of really bad guesses, but there's no logic behind it whatsoever. Set your tones, man. Their, their I, answer to sepia tones. Blue and it, moonlight highlighting uh, lighting. Terrible. Yeah, it, it's not good. It, uh, but the scenes of Morbius feeding on the occasions that he does are... How was this phrased? I'm going to steal this line. We've all played enough video games to know that whenever you drink a potion, you get the same animation. I don't know why every time he sucked one of those things down, it was the exact same motion every single time. I mean, I know why. It's because of the physical limitations of the props he's working with. <laughs> uh, but you've you've rendered the entire process here. Like, you don't even really show him with blood on his face after he drinks on the couple of occasions that he does. Well, Somehow... You're Somehow talking about process. That's... There's clearly no process. That's true. Somehow, that god-awful variation of Morbius from the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, who didn't bite anyone because he couldn't, he had suction cups on the palms of his hands, and he couldn't talk about blood because 90s Saturday morning cartoon, so he's whining about plasma. plasma. He donated a lot of plasma. It's mostly water. That got more scares because he left behind these horrible-looking suction marks holes on people's faces than your giant toothy vampire did in this movie when you have failed to equal a sense of revulsion and horror that a Saturday morning cartoon from the mid-'90s was able to achieve, you have failed utterly. Okay. I can't top it. I can't top it. He's, he's dead on about every little bit of that. Um, all right, I don't have anything else to add. I kind of um, the pause kind of took the momentum out of it for me, but I, I just wanted to say that I was, I don't, you know, I got on Alexis about Eternals when she talked about, oh, this is boring, and I'm like, no, 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 no. thoughtful isn't boring. Um, but your your assignment your assignment of thoughtful to Eternals is generous at best. Not when you compare it to this, it ain't. But that's the thing. Fair, like fair. this this one just moves so darn slowly. And, and I don't want to repeat everything you guys have already said, I'm sure, but when there's flat acting, a plot that makes little to no sense and what there is is so darn thin, you can see through it, and things are moving slowly, and the action sequences are not stylized in any way or, or the, and or unreadable, it was just one giant mess after another. And I can see why this would easily entertain children. It, you know, it's you talked about, like, the cartoon. A lot of the cartoons we grew up watching were better written than this. Like, and, and the... Literally the, with the same characters. And a lot of times... Heck, the, I take the, the Gummy Bears cartoon over this if we're just talking about writing. The, Dashing and daring, courageous and caring. The hypothesis is... Friendly with stories to share. There we go. All through the forest, they sing out in chorus, <laughs> marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy Bears yep. bouncing here and there and everywhere. 
Higher than two, that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Hey, Pat, where can you find the Magic gummy bears? Magic mystery. Hey, Pat, where can you find the gummy history, bears? Along theme? with the secrets of gummy berry juice. Hey, Pat, where can you find the gummy bears theme? You know what's crazy is you can find it along with several thousand others of selections of your musical preference on Amazon Music. That's right. And we happen to be giving away a free 30-day trial, the Amazon Music Unlimited service. You can uh, click the link in the description of this podcast at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Uh, you can sign up for the free 30 days. You can stream all of the TV show themes that are on Amazon Music to your heart's content. You got a lot of them. They certainly do, Ollie. And then when you're done with that, oh. at the end of the 30 days, please let me finish my plug. And then when you're done with that, and at the end of the 30 days, uh, you can keep it for a nominal fee. It's competitive with Spotify and Apple Music, or you can cancel it. No fuss, no muss. Yes, Robert. Last thing to just because I'm I have to talk about this very briefly. My last mm -hmm. critique about this film, yeah. To whoever scored this, I sincerely, sincerely hope Hans Zimmer sues your ass. <laughs> there are giant sections of this, I kid you not, that are just plagiarized from his score for Batman Begins. Okay. And with that, uh, here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. All righty. Not in the money, this movie. <laughs> All right. Don't give uh, me that it won the weekend crap. <laughs> don't give me that. I know it did, but don't give me that crap. All right. Well, on a budget of let's go on the high end here and say 83 million, it is currently made, according to the Wikipedia, on this day in our Lord, uh, April 5th, 2022, of uh, 86 million dollars. So it's made its budget. It is not yet profitable. We'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, I imagine it's going to crater because a 40 million dollar opening is not great. Uh, it was the number one movie of the weekend that was April 1st through the 3rd. The Lost City with Sandra Bullock, uh, even though I think it went up uh, 30 theaters, it looks like, um, dropped from 1 to 2 and had a 51.7% drop. The Batman dropped from 2 to 3, had a 46.3% hey, hey, hey. drop. Yes. For the record. Yeah. I called it. It's, it's not out of theaters just yet. I didn't say that. Look, all I said was, I don't think it has the legs everyone thought it did. That's all you I know, said. Listen, uh, we we will we on on the show that we do Fantastic Beasts and where to find them or the new the Fantastic Beasts three rather uh, is the day that the Batman will be on HBO Max. Whatever the number is, if it's less than a billion, I will give you the applause button. If it's not, yeah, it's fine. I mean, come on, Robert. It's not like you're betting on something like Eternals. I hate all of you. Um. Anyway, I should have bet on that too. <laughs> uh, look for just for the record for anyone who is listening to this and didn't listen to our review of the Batman. The only thing I said about that was I don't. I'm not. Sh I'm not sold on a billion, especially after I saw the three-hour mm -hmm. movie. I, I just don't think it has the rewatch value that people think it does. It, it got unseated by both. It got unseated by the Lost City. Yeah. You got unseated by a Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock rom-com wannabe romancing the stone. Yeah. Wait, that's not the one with the dog, is it? No. No, that's a different Channing Tatum movie. Yeah, that, that was that that came out uh gosh, 
couple weeks before. Um, yeah. It came out the it came out the same weekend as Uncharted. I know that because I took my kids to see Uncharted and Dog in the same day. Yeah, so so the Batman doesn't have quite the staying power that we thought it did. We've discussed it at length. I don't need to go into it again. Not we, you. Uncharted. <laughs> I can't wait to get this review done. Uncharted uh, maintained its spot at number four. Jujutsu Kaisen, number five. Triple R, whatever that is. Dropped no from three to six. Spider-Man No Way Home went up a spot. Uh, it actually traded its spot with Dog, starring Chad and Tatum. Uh, everything everywhere all at once uh, had its wide release finally so it went off 115.1 percent in theaters nice. uh, with a 21 point cha- 28 point change uh it jumped from 13 to 9 robert and i will be reviewing it and after yang in about a month or so when both are on pvod speaking of things i'm reviewing when they're pvod x dropped from 6 to 10 uh sing 2 still in theaters for some odd reason to jump from uh drop from 9 to 11 Still doing fairly well. Why wouldn't it still be there? The Contractor debuted from STX Entertainment, soon to be bought by Amazon, soon to be bought by Pornhub. Uh, debuted number 12. We all know that We all know that last purchase is going the other way. Amazon <laughs> is the one that's going to buy the hub. Uh, probably. Um, Infinite Storm uh, dropped from 10 to 13. Death on the Nile, 11 to 14. I saw Death on the Nile, by the way. That is a sleepy movie. Like, for what's supposed to be like a boilerplate mystery... Uh, I mean, it might be because I saw it late at night, but by the end of that one, I was like, please end this movie already. You know what kills me about that movie? What? It looks cheap. Yeah, it's, it wasn't great. Like, it cheap. was fine for, you know, it was... The, I, I went, the I, use I, of green screen is uh-huh. painful. It was one of those things where I didn't think that hard about it because I was just sitting there. I saw it with a friend. It was like a late night. We were like, what do you want to do? Like, let's go see a movie. What's playing around the time that we were going to be at the theater? And, like... Between the late night and just the general disinterest, like I went in thinking, oh, I should really enjoy this. I love a good murder mystery. And I didn't see Murder on the Orient Express, but apparently it did well enough to generate a sequel. And I'm watching this and about, we're like halfway through the movie and they haven't murdered the victim yet. Like, what is happening here? (laughs) Ten minutes, people. Let's go. You know, what what are we waiting for? Because you saved the inciting incident for, you know, the 90 minute mark. (laughs) Yeah, that's when you, you feel like fresh. That's when you roll the credits. Uh, the outfit dropped from 12 to 15. You Won't Be Alone debuted at 16. Uma uh, dropped from 14 to 17. Waterman debuted at 18. Robert Winfrey uh, dropped from, uh, sorry, rose one point from 20 to 19. Robert, you know what the name of that movie is, right? That I just called Robert Winfrey? The worst person in the world. That's right, baby. Also, do we know what we say? Pat, have you heard Robert's new catchphrase? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, well, this one came from TikTok. Should I share it with the world again, Robert? Sure, go for it. Okay, Robert's new catchphrase is this man gets no bitches. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pat, Pat's whole screen froze. Pat, no, that was just that was just me being in frozen shock for a second. Somebody somebody saw Robert's TikTok on on Cheaper by the Dozen. Okay, your said, your cut up of my rant, let's be clear. I do not have a TikTok account. Yes. Yes, your your rant that I put on my TikTok, and I don't get a lot of comments on my TikToks, but that but boy did this guy comment, and he was like, "This man clearly gets no bitches," and I couldn't wait to share that with Robert because I thought, yeah. I just thought I mean, it was funny. Not wrong. Uh, <laughs> licorice pizza dropped from sixteen to twenty. Sorry, so that was the weekend. Let's see where we are worldwide. I thought the weekend was a Canadian recording artist. Everybody's working for the weekend. That's Loverboy, also Canadian. 
uh, Batman sitting at $712 million worldwide, the number one movie of 2022 currently. Everyone We're... is desperately trying to pretend that that's going to beat the box office take of Suicide Squad, and I don't think it's going to. What was Suicide Squad's worldwide at the end of the day? Uh, the first one, 740, 770. That's close. Um, it's not I mean... impossible, I just don't think. Yeah, well, I mean, also, April is where things are really going to start to pick up here, and we'll talk about that in a second, but... I mean, seven between seven twelve and seven fifty, there's not that big of a difference. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Watergate Bridge currently at six hundred and twenty-six million. Uncharted petering out at three hundred and seventy-three million. Too cool to kill two hundred and seventeen million. Nice view. I don't know what these are. Uh, two hundred and eleven million. Scream from January uh, sitting at a comfortable one hundred and forty million, which has been greenlit for a Scream Six because oh, oh boy. Death on the Nile at 136 million, but who cares? It's already on Hulu and it's a 20th century Fox movie. Um, Triple R is at 97, and Morbius sitting at number nine at 86, beating out Jackass Forever, which is currently at number 10. Rounding out the top 20 are Dog, The Lost City, Marry Me, Moonfall, uh, BTS Permission to Dance on Stage, Soul Live Viewing, The Bad Guys, which isn't out in America just yet. The 355 Robert sitting at a pretty 27 million. Oh boy. Five five more weeks. Five more uh, weeks before that's out of the top 20, would be my yeah. guess. Uh Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, which comes out this week, um, will probably be the number one movie of the weekend. Currently available Better. worldwide, uh, has made 26 million. The Cashmere Files, 24. And then at number 20 is the Confidence Man JP episode of The Hero. So that is where we are with the box office. Um, God, that was uh, terrible to sit through. <laughs> at least he didn't go all the way down to turning red, which was sitting at number 29. Good. Oh. Suck off prop communist propaganda. So this weekend, we've got Ambulance. The two big wide releases that are in any way competitive are Sonic the Hedgehog and Ambulance. Sonic the Hedgehog will end up winning the weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, April 15th, the big one is Fantastic Beasts. But if you're not into Harry Potter, well, screw you, because there's nothing else that's in wide release that weekend. The 22nd is The Bad Guys, which is the new animated film, I believe, from DreamWorks. Um, sure. And oh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and The Northman. <laughs> of all of those, the one we're doing is The Northman, which kind of annoyed Ronnie because he was like, hey, we should review The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I'm like, I don't have another day to spare, sir. Also, the Northman sounds like the only one that's not fucking stupid. Yeah, hey. Gavin Gavin actually picked that one. He was like, hey, can we review the Northman? And he asked me it, in January, so it was still time for me to adjust my schedule. I don't and know I said, what any oh, of those other things are. If they're animated, they can go shit. Um, mm -hmm. But the Northman actually looks cool based on the trailers. The unbearable weight of massive talent is Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, okay. If that's the title of that, then that's awesome, too. Yeah, that yeah, one. Like, that one or the Northman, like, I, I was 50-50 on those. Could have e easily gone for either. Doing something a bit more serious after the string of silliness that we're going to be doing for the next little bit. Um, and Alexander Skarsgård is a beast of a man when he wants to be. Like, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, April 29th. Um, there's not a whole lot here. The wide releases are Memory with Liam Neeson, which is an open road film, so I'm sure no one will see it. That's about it. Everything else is in, in um, limited release. And then we are finally up to Doctor Strange. Which will, I'm sure, make a billion dollars. So yeah, that it, out loud. <laughs> All right, it is time, folks. Yay! My my browser is finally working. I can actually share Ooh. it to the screen. 
you know, like the last two shows where I couldn't get Rotten Tomatoes to load. So here we go with the critical review. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, for you listeners of Damn You Hollywood, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software, which is sponsoring this segment. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuations. Spelling mistakes will also catch in contextual errors, improving your vocabulary and suggesting style improvements. You download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Yeah, Dear um, writers of this movie, we're trying to help you. So, I believe... Also, the first- 70% of the audience can just Take a flying leap, man. What's I feel that, like they got this backwards, and that that's the seventy percent is the critic score, and the sixteen percent is the audience score. No, the, I swear to God, if you if you were following this on, I know you don't have a Twitter, but like the the early buzz coming from the critics who went to the screenings before this before this went in theaters, like the critics hated it. I'm actually surprised the audience score is that high because like I know I said like my kids liked it, but God, they they can't be. The, there can't be that many people out there that have the collective brain power of an eight-year-old or an eleven-year-old, are there? I mean, you really want to look at the last like three to four United States elections and revisit that particular question mark? I mean, fair point, but boy, is that frightening. Yeah, this no, this is probably like the last election where there's a lot of bots and stuff that were put in to just inflate a, a number. <laughs> the critical consensus reads: cursed with uninspired effects, wrote performances, and a borderline nonsensical story. This dreary mess is a vain attempt to make Morbius happen. And they and spelled, we're this, and, and guess how they spelled vain. Yeah. Um, what's, was it, were they trying to make it a pun? Yeah, of course. Clever. What, what, kill, what kills me about that is I I don't know if Morbius itself was greenlit, but like they are they are all in on this Sinister Six movie. Which was you know top- what? At, here's all I want out of this. Mm-hmm. I want them to go ahead and make their stupid movie. And I want it to fail because yeah. it will. All right. And then I want there to be no reckoning, no consequences, no nothing for all the people involved who made this abomination possible. Uh-huh. And for some to just go, you know what? Maybe we just need to try again. I want to keep inflating that little punk until he thinks he's invincible. And then you know what he's going to learn? Pain in every part of his body and fear in every part of his mind. We're going to be back, my man. Bigger and badder than ever. Susan Granger of SSG Syndicate says, "Ghoulish Gotham gloom." There's like, uh, you, you mean gothic, right? I'm I'm desperately hoping you misread that. I'm ghoulish, really you... ghoulish gothic gloom. Sorry. Okay, it's not gothic. But if, you, if it was if, you, if it was actually Gotham, I was about to have an aneurysm. <laughs> uh, Mel Valentine of that shelf. Oh. <laughs> Him. That shelf, other, as opposed to the other shelf. I need to revisit the how do you get on Rotten Tomatoes thing because <laughs> every week something new shows up here, and I'm like, no, there's no possible way enough people are going to that thing for this to be on here. Uh, an often bored-looking Leto isn't helped by a formulaic, generic cliche-ridden screenplay credited to Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless. 
anonymous, borderline, competent direction comes thanks to Swedish-born Daniel Espinoza, who directed, I guess, Life and Safe House. That explains so much. Yeah. He directed The Lighthouse? No, no, no. Life and Safe House. Oh, no. No, no. Ryan Eggers, I believe it was Ryan Eggers who directed The Lighthouse, and he's directing The Northman. Okay, well, I got rocks, so... Also directed The Witch. Preston Barda of Denton Record Chronicle. Jared Leto trades in his clown shoes for fangs. And of course, it's as silly as and bad as you thought. However, it's never not entertaining, and Matt Smith understood the assignment. No. No, he really didn't. No, no one understood the assignment. And how dare you say it's never not boring? First of all, again, grammarly. We're trying to help you people. That's terribly phrased. Second, giant stretches of this are boring as sin. The whole first third. <laughs> yeah. This was interminable. Um, let's see here. Okay. Eddie Harrison of filmauthority.com. Despite aspirations for Cronenbergian. Cronenbergian, Robert Winfrey, don't you understand? David Cronenberg, the fly. <laughs> Despite aspirations to the fly, his ear fell off and he ate it and said, oh my, Cronenbergian, body horror. I don't think this guy's ever seen a Cronenberg movie, first of all. I don't think he There's has either. There's nothing remotely David Cronenberg about any of Not this. Not even close. Like, even even just, like, the morphing that, I mean... Even if you go back and watch Cronenberg's early stuff before he had a budget, like, man, like, oh, God. Yes. No. So despite no. aspirations to Cronenbergian body horror, Morbius's There's... bloody action amounts to a lengthy thin-off between Leto and Smith. Uh you're not wrong about the thin off apart from the fact that Matt Smith is clearly in shape the entire time and they just desperately try to downplay it. <laughs> but no, there's not an ounce of body horror in this. You idiot. Lynn Venhouse of Webster Kirkwood times. All oh, these places aren't even trying anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more horror than hero or deep. No. Morbius is as dark and brooding as the Batman. No, <laughs> But with less style and substance. Yet the True. themes and origin story are intriguing. And no, a different there, product. no, there are no themes. There are no <laughs> themes here. None. No themes. And a different product than the routine Marvel comic book turned movies. No, this is every bit as cliche paint by numbers MCU formula as you can get. Just without the MCU banner to attach to make all the idiots think it's better than it is. Do we get something remotely coherent yet or no? No. Patrick McDonald okay. of WGBR-FM 93.7 Monroe, Wisconsin. Jeez, everybody, calm down. There is an essential question about the bodily handicaps in this story, which give it some heft. Oi! <laughs> what is one willing to give away to get cured of a disease that essentially is a living death? Just I don't know, drinking... but I know what I'd be willing to give away to get rid of Monroe, Wisconsin. <laughs> Dis disgust for drinking blood, Robert Winfrey? Cool. What blood? You, you, sir, are an idiot. One, yeah, what blood? There's no, no blood to be found in this movie. There Second, was more blood in the adaptation of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Hey, that's that's actually coming to theaters this year. Yeah, it's about a girl getting her period for the first time. Yes, that'll be in theaters later this year. I have not put it on the schedule yet, but don't tempt me. Nate Adams of The Only Critic sucks the fun out of everything. Ugh. 
I, I don't wish hope. death on people, but if a car accidentally <laughs> hits you in the cosmic scheme of things, I mean, just saying. Someone who knows this gentleman, <laughs> please, like, throw an empty beer can at his head. Or a full one if you're feeling spicy. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd of the film Yap. Hardly the best in the superhero game, but a decently entertaining and moody entry that's hands down, Pat Mullen, hands down better than the lackluster Venom series. It's not. Yeah, something tells me Doc Brown's been uh, sniffing the plutonium a little bit. Either that or he's he's the Reverend Jim uh, version of Christopher Lloyd. I'd go with that. He, He got distracted by the guy with the googly eyes in the theater. Oh, no, boss. We can't do that. Oh. You again. Bilge Ibiri. Slow down. All right. What Bil- does a uh, yellow, yellow light, light mean? <laughs> Slow down. What <laughs> does... I love that bit. <laughs> so good. Bilge Ibiri, which if you do, you'll clean it up. New York Magazine Vulture, top critic. Morbius has no reason to exist as an actual movie, but maybe that's why it worked for me. Look, I can fully accept that any pretentious jackass writing for New York Magazine might have just gone completely round the bend as far as this kind of like quasi-entertainment nihilism that's going around and formed an Ouroboros where your head is so far up your own ass, (laughs) you can eat your lunch twice. But seriously, no. We'll do two more of these, and then we'll... I just let one rip, and it had more emphasis on serious content than that did. Elias Savada of Film International. A nonsensical Frankensteinian Dracula Jekyll and Hyde mashup from Marvel. First of all, you fucking fucktard. It's Sony, (laughs) not Marvel. Marvel is its own studio, dipshit. And the comic book company didn't make the movie, so it doesn't even work there either. Jesus Christ, you write film reviews for a fucking living and you don't know what studio is doing what eat a tailpipe also you pick frankenstonian draculinian jekyll and hyde-ish fucking wolf mannerism whatever (laughs) pick one pick one swamp (laughs) thingy-ish surprised you didn't work in a reference to the invisible man (laughs) invisible man that fucking idiot turns into him uh hang on i'm two more because now i gotta read this one caroline slade of fox 10 phoenix top critic alas Morbius is too bound to comic book movie convention to become the overt gay vampire superhero melodrama it probably should have been. Pat, you want to take that one? No, no, I don't. (laughs) Okay. Because you want to stay on the air. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I'll hear about it in the chat. We don't don't need to get demonetized. Ah, fuck it. Here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> Let me uh, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Wait a minute now. <laughs> hang on. I you hang. Uh, where are you? He's, um, he's desperately writing down the time code for the TikTok. That's uh, you. Uh, damn it. Oh wait. There we go. He's oh, trying wait. to go full screen on you. Oh no! Don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here we go. Views expressed in the views expressed in this video are those of my own. They do not express the views of the Radulich and Broadcasting Network, <laughs> W2Mnet, Mark Radulich, Robert Winfrey, or any number of associated parties. They are my views and my views alone. Oh, what the fuck are you talking about with the fucking gay vampire movie? <laughs> are you fucking stuck in Anne Rice in 1994? 
like they they bite and they drink. Like, all right, what's what's gay about this? To be honest, like, because it, it's his brother. He has a female love interest, and granted, she's wooden. But I don't know if you've ever been a male and single. You date a lot of wooden chicks because they put out, and that's the bottom line. They can be really good looking and have no substance underneath it, and that's the attraction. That's how that works. We're not always looking for something deeper. We're actually a lot of the time trying to be as superficial as possible. So point one. Point two, I'll actually give you credence in the fact that it falls into stupid superhero movie tropes. I'll agree with that. And that, again, we talked about the stupid, you know, brother turning on brother and patricide and all this nonsense and crap that's been overdone time and time again in these movies. Back to the gay stuff. Why Why do we need an overtly gay vampire drama? We've had that already. It's called Twilight, where two girls who, one's a vampire, one's not, they fall in love, they twinkle in the sun. The poor Native American werewolf boy gets left in the dust with his abs. It happens. Where is this fucking coming from? But then again, like... There I'm were trying... two males in the movie. They have to be gay. Man well, can't let me, possibly... Let me, let, me, let me be Christian Slater in an in interview with the vampire then to try to summarize this. I, I I don't understand. So what you're telling me is you're a vampire? You 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 drink people's blood for sustenance? I don't understand what you're telling me here. Why do they have to be gay? Because they drink blood? That seems a little pejorative towards the gay community, as if they all suck stuff when that doesn't happen. You got some pitchers, you got some catchers. I don't understand what you're telling me. <laughs> Is it because she has a bloodborne illness and you're trying to paint all gay people as having some type of bloodborne immunodeficiency? Because that's not accurate either. That's offensive. And I'm offended by it. Thank you, Christian. All right. That was fun. For the record, just to this person. Yes. You're part of the problem. Yeah. Let me be very, very clear about the following sentiment. If you haven't looked at the psychiatric literature lately about just the, the deep problem welling up with men in this country, and this is not a feminist rant, men don't form good, deep bonds with each other. Don't, don't do this. I'm not going for long. Why are you doing this to me, Mark? If, I mean this in all sincerity. If you haven't looked at this and the inability or the downward trend of male friendships, it's a real thing and it's a real problem because human beings, as a general rule, are communal creatures and men in particular do kind of need that and we suck at doing it it's not it we don't do a good job of learning it we don't do a good job of teaching it and for every other movie reviewer or i'm gonna put i'm gonna go purge myself after this for using this word influencer i'm still offended that this person thought that the vampires needed to be gay because they had bloodborne illnesses that wreaked havoc on their immune systems because that's they not thought okay they needed to be gay because there was two of them and they were fighting each other so look I just think, like wonder I, woman and Kristen wig had to be gay so too do matt smith and jared leto i don't they, know about that but this sounds pretty pejorative based on a bloodborne immunodeficiency and doing that so i i apologize to any of our you know friends in the lgbtq community for that view because it's silly pejorative outdated and quite frankly offensive and again in all seriousness it's okay for men to just be friends to have you know meaningful relationships with each other that don't have why are you trying to foist your fetishization of guys can't just be friends they have to love each other yeah and and yeah 
<laughs> this is part of the reason why so many men are afraid to express their like these kind of bonds because there's somewhere there's someone who looks over there and does this does the uh who's that stupid actor comedian does the ken jeong thing it goes <laughs> gay <laughs> like no you're you're actively contributing in a meaningful way to the declining mental health of the totality of 50% of the human population good job moron and our last <clears throat> our last review here <clears throat> did you find did be... you find kevin carr no but this one's even worse right. um, i'm going to leave him alone for the night because i want i want to do this one for you robert because i don't even tag me in this. This is just we're piling on to horseshit after horseshit <laughs> after horseshit. I just want to tell you, Robert, that you are my friend and I do love you. And that is why I'm giving you this gift. Gay. Thank you. <laughs> Chris, Chris Knight of National Post. Robert Winfrey, don't you understand? It's been far too long since I, Chris Knight of the National Post, have seen a superhero movie whose special effects were both jaw-dropping and seemingly effortless. That okay. That's not complimentary in the right context. Yeah. So you is... could, your jaw can drop at how bad something is, and something can seem effortless because it looks like you didn't try. <laughs> yeah, Pat's entirely correct there. Here's the other thing about this, about your take on this, sir. It's not my fault you haven't seen a comic book movie since Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> but you've missed a lot since then. <laughs> All right. Yeah, folks. Oh, Jesus last... Christ. Stop taking ref and pauses. I keep thinking you're done. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Last thing on this I appreciate that Sony was trying to cash in on the nostalgia wave that's going on. But making this movie in the style of a mid 2000s comic book movie, i.e., Spawn, The Fantastic Four, Blade, not even Blade. Blade actually was kind of awesome. But Mark, you were around. Pat, yeah, you were around. We all suffered through these movies. Trying to cash in on that nostalgia was a certainly a choice you made. <laughs> all right, folks, that does it for Damn You Hollywood. Sorry, I had to cut out there. I've got some personal stuff I had to deal with uh, real quick. And nobody cares. Every you're. Everything's Mark, fine. Thanks. <laughs> we're glad everything's fine, and you know that you can trust me and Pat to run the to steer the ship smoothly in your absence. We did not badmouth you one iota. You just now have to go back and actually listen to the show to find out if I'm lying to you or not. <laughs> I'll listen to it later while I'm sleeping. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that is our review of Damn You Hollywood uh, Morbius. Next week is we'll have, we'll have two Damn You Hollywoods, one with Ronnie Adams and one with myself and. Robert Winfrey and Alexis. Uh, we'll be doing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in our usual Tuesday spot. And the day before, it'll be myself and Ronnie doing Ambulance because I wanted to spare Robert Winfrey the pain of having to review a Michael Bay movie. I appreciate um, that. Spare, but you wouldn't spare him the pain of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. No, no. no I'm, I am actually willing for that. Like, I'm, I'm happy to talk to. I didn't. Did you see the Sonic movie, Idle Curiosity? No. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. It's really, it's pretty funny. Um, anyway, I mean, following... I know this is like the lowest hurdle you can possibly clear, but it is one of the best video game adaptations. So Yui the... Bull didn't direct it. No, no Yui Bull, who, <laughs> by the way, you, you pathetic hack of a writer. My favorite thing Yui Bull ever did, because this just showed how pathetic he is. He got mad at people criticizing his movies, and he actually has something of an amateur boxing background. So he said to all these critics who said mean things about his terrible movies, well, why don't you 
come fight me. Then hand selected the fattest, saddest ones that he could just bludgeon. Kevin Carr. I don't know if Kevin Carr was there, but <laughs> it, it, again, it is beyond pathetic. All right, you know what? I don't. Uh, at least he's willing to fight somebody. So you know what, you bull. I'm gonna buy one of your movies in case it gets royalties to you or whatever, because I respect the fact that you were willing to hit somebody. Uh, uh, n- might I suggest Blood Rain for the very obvious reasons? On April 19th, we will be reviewing Fantastic Beasts: The Sequels of Dumbledore, and we will be joined by Jason Oops. and his wife. Jason called. <laughs> Jason got me like early, like late last year, early this year, and he's like, "Here's every movie I'm reviewing with you in the in the year of twenty in the year of our Lord 2022," and like handed me this mile long list, and he was like, "Oh, and a few of these I want my wife on," and I'm like, "Okay, big time, sure." So yeah, for, so for people who might contact me a week or so before the movie, just know Jason already took your spot. Was there really um, a demand for Fantastic Beasts? There might have been. We have one or two Harry Potter fans in the group, so uh, who are now not going to be able to to do that show. Anyway, uh, so the the Teasleys and I and Robert will be reviewing Fantastic Beasts sequels of Dumbledore on the 19th. I've read some early reviews of that. Best thing about it, to the shock Mm -hmm. of no one, Mads Mikkelsen, because he's freaking awesome. No doubt. And then uh, The Northmen with myself and uh, Robert and Gavin Napier on April 26th. So that's all the... Damn you, Hollywoods. Uh, check out Pat in the History of Boxing podcast, which will come back in the month of May. Uh, in the meantime, we have wrapped up our Mania of WrestleMania podcast. That is now in the archive. Uh, so you can hear Pat. Pat was on almost all of them. He only missed uh, the Attitude Era and 18 and 19, where I was joined by Stuart and Neil from Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do. Pat, just real quick, like 10 words or less, how, how do you feel about the Mania of WrestleMania podcast? Pimps up, hoes down, west side. West side. Anyway, um, so check that out. And Pat will actually be with me again. We're going to be getting our Hillary Duff on. We'll be reviewing How I Met Jafada. Why, why, why did you make that so terrible? <laughs> <laughs> me and pat are going to get right on top of hillary duff and her uh and her how i met your father show uh season one currently on hulu and that'll be thursday april 28th you Already are you excited season two are you excited to get on top of hillary duff and her show boy am i ever i'll no doubt no doubt about it all right <laughs> robert go ahead and do your plugs and don't do stuff i've already said well, I would like to apologize for the male gaze that is so prevalent. In this <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it with a straight face. I, I had a line. I tried to get through the whole thing. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. All right. Uh, if you're interested in mixed martial arts, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. Late sun, uh, records late Sunday evening, goes live usually late Sunday or early Monday, depending on where you are in the world. This week, a preview of UFC 273. Great card. Three great fights at the top. Alexander Volkanovsky and the Korean zombie. Uh, Volkanovsky is going to... He's going to kill a zombie. Uh, the rematch between Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan. Hopefully Jan, right that wrong. hopefully Jan doesn't do something stupid and get himself disqualified again. <laughs> and the latest unstoppable freight train, Hamzat Shemaev, fights Gilbert Burns. And it's a, again, it's a pretty big test for Shemaev, but... He has, I believe, the most ridiculous stat line I've ever seen in the UFC. His, his, uh, at the moment, his uh, ratio of significant strikes absorbed, uh, given to absorbed, is 112 to one. He's been hit a grand total of twice in his entire UFC career. 
So how he does against Burns, we'll have to wait and see. But if you want a full preview of that event as well as, and there wasn't even any news. I'm not even going to say that. But I again, I do that show every week. I cover mixed martial arts in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. UFC 273 this Saturday. So stop by, say hello if you're so inclined. I appreciate it. I also cover professional wrestling a few times a week. Last week, I covered NXT's Stand and Deliver. It's that. <laughs> is my review of that show. It was all downhill from the first match. <laughs> I, was like, I do, reason. however, personally love your your MLW reviews. Oh, thank you. I cover AEW's Dark Elevation on, on I, Monday. The only thing I have to say about that NXT show, poor Grayson Waller's elbow. Yeah, I'm waiting yeah. for the confirmation about just how many bones he broke. His right arm was messed up. Yeah, it was. Maybe don't do a flying elbow drop off of one giant ladder onto a couple of bridge giant ladders for no reason. Just throwing <laughs> yeah, it out. Idea. Just yeah. throwing it out there. Probably not. So, sorry. So yeah, again, my full review of that particular event. I gave it a slightly generous seven and a half out of ten. So uh, again, I cover AW's Dark Elevation on Mondays. Which is basically uh, not AEW, which is basically AEW's version of Saturday Night Heat. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I cover MLW stuff on Thursdays, whatever they happen to be putting out. Um, there's another fusion this week, and I think the Azteca title comes back the week after that. Might reverse those, though. I can't remember off the top of my head, but whatever they put out, I will be covering. And WWE SmackDown on Friday. So we're going to have to wait and see how bad the injury to Roman Reigns is. And then he will give us an update on the future of the Undisputed title. All right, folks, please like and subscribe. Uh, we can't live stream on YouTube until July 1st, but all of our videos go up there. Whose fault so is that, Mark? My kids. Um, stupid <laughs> kids wanting to spend time with their father. Um, anyway, so... Uh, you needed we... the headphones on, man. That's all you needed to do. It was the, it was the sound more than the video that got you. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, um, we all of our videos upload to YouTube, just same as before. We just can't live stream like we used to. The live streams will still be happening. I may or may not do the UFC this weekend, depending on how a couple of other things play out. Um, I haven't decided yet. It's still tentatively on the schedule, but there may be a last second cancellation. But we are definitely doing Spence Ugas, Tyson Fury, Jillian hey, White. Mark, want to live stream Gennady Golov? Oh, wait. <laughs> i have to work or i would i honestly i would i saw the time for that i'm like oh maybe i can get robert winfrey to like stay up all night and do that one with me and i'm like main, no i have to work that morning main card starts around 5 a.m eastern i believe the, yeah, the main I, event by the there's no i can't do it i have to be at work by 7 a.m eastern standard time so um it'll be it'll they'll probably be in the ring when i have to be at work they'll be done with the uh national anthems about then sure is that a th is that a thing they don't do in japan i can't remember in any case, we are definitely doing Spence Ugas, Dillian White, Tyson Fury, and Oscar Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson, and Canelo versus Dimitri Bivol. Um, those are definitely going to happen. The only one that's iffy is um, the UFC. However, they'll be streamed to Facebook and Twitter and Twitch. Uh, there will be no live stream to YouTube until July 1st when our, when our copyright strike finally goes away. Yay, YouTube, and yay, WWE. Uh, please like and subscribe on all your podcatchers. We are on Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Apple Music. So if you'd like to get all the shows, mine, Eric's, Sean's, all of us that make up the W2M network, please like and subscribe to our feed wherever you find it. With that said, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Robert. Be well, be safe, and behave.